If only life had a remote control, you could pause or rewind. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. Take the one-minute risk test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Welcome to Money Beats. Look at the week ahead. Paul and Stephen here in the studio in New York City, joined by our friend Wall Street Journal reporter Sarah Krause. Sarah, how are you? I'm well, thanks. Thanks for having me. And from the nation's capital, Washington, D.C., Jeffrey Sparshot. Jeff, how are you doing? Very well, thanks. All right. So, folks, uh, Monday is a holiday, Memorial Day. Everyone will be out. No one will be caring about the markets. We'll all be barbecuing and down the beach and all that kind of stuff. But Tuesday, we will come back, and we will immediately be looking at Friday, won't we, Jeff? Yeah, Friday is uh, is the big big day for economic indicators in, uh, in our world with um, the employment report. And it right. looks, uh, everyone's expecting another pretty solid solid set of numbers. Uh, what, are, what are the expectations right now? Do you know? Um, right offhand? now, economists are forecasting uh, 185,000 jobs and the unemployment rate holding steady at 4.4%. And 185,000 is pretty much right in line with where we've been all this year and you know for much of last year, right? Yeah, I think the economists just kind of averaged the last six months. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> they are phoning it in, man. They're not even trying. It's, it's Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. BlackRock had its shareholder meeting this week, and Larry Fink, the chief executive, was speaking, and he said he actually he feels better about the economy, and he feels like you know corporate earnings season sort of underpinned some of the stock market rises, but that importantly, in his conversations with CEOs, it's sounding like they are now become, competing more for talent that that actually finding workers to fill jobs is becoming more of an issue, and therefore he expects to see some wage growth on the back of that, um, which obviously then trickles into the economy right, in terms right. of more consumer spending. So I just thought that was like an interesting, more optimistic outlook than what I had been hearing previously. Yeah. And it's something we've been looking for. I mean, wage wages have gone up, but they haven't gone up at the pace, I think, that most people would like to see. And um, I think people waiting when they see the jobs report to see that pickup. Yeah, we've barely been around two and a half, which is, you know, before the recession, uh, numbers above three were much more common. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people would like to see it get back above three, especially with inflation firming a little bit, um, getting a little closer to 2%. So, And that's right. another piece of data that we're going to be getting this week is the Fed's preferred measure of inflation, correct? Yes. On, uh, on Monday, we'll get that. And um, so in February, we hit 2.1%. It was the first time since 2012 it had gone over the Fed's 2% target, and then immediately it went back down. Um, so readings haven't been very strong for inflation uh, in March. I think CPI wasn't that strong for April. Um, so we'll see right. what PCE is. It's it's um, If it firms up, I mean, the Fed obviously definitely want to go. If it stays low, they have a little more room to run. Um, if it I think they're expecting it to eventually head back toward 2%, maybe not next month, though. Yeah, and, and, you know, for everyone listening at home, remember that the numbers on Friday, the wage numbers, whatever they turn out to be, are not adjusted for inflation. So those are, you know, it's nominal wage growth. So you have to, you have to take those inflation numbers and then kind of apply them to the wage growth to get the, the real wage growth. Which has been close to zero. Right. Exactly, right, months. right, exactly. One of the, I mean, one of the interesting things is, you know, is whether that the Fed in the minutes last week wasn't that concerned about, uh, you know, the dip in inflation. But it will, I do think if it 
persists, <laughs> you know, we're going to be we're sort of we're sort of getting back to where we were, um, and that's not a good pl- thing. Well, and look, I think there are. And, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm a little bit of a broken record about this, but I mean, you. Th- there are still legitimate questions about how strongly this economy is growing. And I don't think it's growing as strongly as anyone expected with or without the, the kind of stimulus and measures you thought you were going to get from the Trump administration. Right. It's sort of like healthy, but not robust. And you're questioning whether it even is as healthy as it's yeah. being characterized. Well, it's like a 2% growth, most of the expansion. I mean, it really, right. we yeah. have our ups and downs, but it has not broken out of that, and it, it's giving no indication that it will. Yeah. And 2% yeah. is, I mean, it's 2%. I mean, it's, it's, it's a perfect thing if you're the, you know, if you're an optimist, you're like, uh, maybe it will, we can gain some momentum, but it gives plenty of Room fodder for, for skepticism. For yeah. skepticism. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, the the other thing too, because I mean, l- let's face it. Next week, I think is really going to be more about the Fed and whether it's going to raise rates in June. We have a bunch of Fed speakers right off the bat on, um, I think, on Tuesday. What are we expecting? And, w- and is there any particular speaker we should be paying close attention to for clues? Um, I, you know, everyone always wants to read the tea leaves. I think everyone coming up next week is, is fairly important. There's two governors. On uh, on Tuesday, we get Lyle Brainerd, and um, on Thursday, Jerome Powell. And then we get two voters, uh, Patrick Harker and Robert Kaplan, uh, on, uh, spread out throughout the week. Um, so I think, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what they all say. And it's the last set of speakers before the, the Fed's blackout period ahead of the meeting. Um, I think Powell, maybe? Uh, might get the most attention, but but who knows? Um, it, it depends on if anyone you know says something different than what they always say. I mean, that's a lot of it too. I mean, we end up looking for like a change in one or two words or three words here yeah. and there, or slight shifts in, in outlook. Um, so whoever shifts the most, obviously, will get the most attention. Yeah, I know it's. I mean, look, I, I know they haven't. They won't move until they move, right? I mean, until June thirteenth, fourteenth, it's not going to matter. But if you were trying to really read those tea leaves, is there one? thing next week, Jeff, you know, out of the the numbers, the speeches, whatever, is there one thing that you think could happen next week that would be a signal one way or the other? Um, Well, I mean, obviously, if we get a really strong jobs report, uh, wages tick up and the unemployment rate goes down again, Mm -hmm. which which no one is really expecting. I mean, how could you not move at that point? Um, And and all the Fed speakers, I mean, this is their last chance to signal the market. I mean, in the past, when people have been a little bit on the fence, are they going to go, are they not going to go, they've used these kinds of speeches to signal fairly clearly, hey, we're going to go, get ready for it, um, so as not to surprise anyone. So it it should be should take out most of the uncertainty that we have, I would think. By uh, by Friday, we should have a fairly clear sense of what's and, going on. And the other thing, too, is even Friday's jobs report, it, if, as long as it's, I think, in line with expectations, that seems like that's a strong enough report to for the Fed to move. Yeah, I, I mean, the numbers jump around a lot. I mean, in March, we yeah. had like a fairly weak report, and then jobs numbers bounced right back. So you can't read too much into just a single month. But, right. But yeah, anything close to expectations, I mean, I think 150 or above for... Um, for for payrolls is is solid enough. Mm, I think I, th- I was just going to say I think we're we're all a little bit sc- uh, <laughs> scarred. Sorry, um, by May 2016 when we had that like I think it was around like 12,000 or 11,000 jobs right, right. added. Um, but like outside of that, I mean, it seems uh, you're right. Like you're not. They're not the one. We shouldn't pay too too much attention to one month. Yeah, no, can we take a, a too much into just one? Can we take a beat on Europe as well? Because I, I realize that this conversation has been very sort yeah, of U.S. Yeah. heavy, but it, it does feel like 
you know, broadly in terms of talking to money managers, that the people are feeling a lot better about Europe. They're less jittery and they feel sort of that the global growth globally is sort of chugging along where that, again, feels like a shift in tone to me um, from right. late last year. Yeah, I think, and, and we'll get some uh, a readout on Wednesday of, of unemployment in uh, in the eurozone and the European Union. So uh, it's it's expected to tick down a little bit. The economy there seems to be picking up. And if you look at U.S. export numbers and readings from from like the Institute for Supply Management um, uh, or uh, survey on manufacturers, export numbers have been looking pretty good. So there's definitely some more global demand going, and, and that's a little bit because of Europe. And I mean, and we've seen, as you sort of alluded to there, Sarah, that. Investors, fund flows are showing investors are putting money into the stock market there mm-hmm. um, because valuations here are so rich and they're looking at an economy that is firming up in Europe and valuations remain low. And I think Inter- the fear of like a disaster has definitely like it's waned a waned, bit. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's gone. From, no, no, clear, completely. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think it's gone. But I, I do agree it's waned. I mean, Greece is still you know I think hanging out there. The the interesting thing though is also corporations. And this was the, was the point I was going to get to. Corporation, U.S. corporations are looking to Europe increasingly for the same reason. Um, M&A deals uh, U.S. acquisitions of European targets is at an all-time record um, this, through the first five months of the year. Uh, if you're interested in knowing, because I just looked it up, May 2016, the economy created 43,000 jobs. But that's the revised. That's the revised number. Yeah. The, the initial number, I think, was even weaker. It might have been the teens or so. I can't no, remember I think it was offhand. Around 11 or yeah, it was really, really bad. Uh, revised to 43. Still, that was, as far as I can tell, looking at the table, that is the weakest number since 2010, which is the last time we had negative jobs reports. So, you know, we're going on seven years now of every single month creating jobs. That's why you're at full employment, all that stuff. Um, Anyhow, that's it. Uh, Jeff, listen, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yep. And we will come back with more after this. If only life had a remote control, you could pause or rewind. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but prediabetes does. Take the one-minute risk test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. Follow The Wall Street Journal on your favorite podcast app. Search WSJ on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and any Amazon Alexa device. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. Welcome back to Money Meet. Paul and Stephen in the studio with Sarah Kraus and Grocer in the break. You, you looked up some... Some data. I was right. I it was 11,000. It was 11,000? first. So you nailed it. What a sharp mind it. you have there. I've covered a few of these job reports over the years. Not your first no, rodeo. But I was going to say... You're talking about, we're talking about last May's jobs numbers. <laughs> yeah. That the grocer's way, been thinking about every yeah. month ever since. Yeah. No, it scarred me, as I said. But I, I do think one of the things that scarred Paul over the, you know, the, the, the years is he, he feels like I don't respect his Bitcoin coverage enough. And it's come up on the podcast, you know. So he was complaining. He really doesn't. He was complaining earlier that we haven't talked about Bitcoin. So I think, Paul, you like you should talk about Bitcoin. And and it's and it's legitimate now. I mean it's I mean like I want to talk about Bitcoin now. It is it is what is it you know, last week it fell three hundred um, what was it? Three hundred dollars? Yeah, it fell three hundred dollars in an hour on Thursday afternoon. But it was still up on Yikes. the day. Still up on the day because it was up more than three. It was up four hundred dollars on the day, and, and that was just one day. And yeah, I mean, it, there's a 
there is a, a wave of enthusiasm and speculation and hype that is going on in Bitcoin. Why entire, is the digital it, currency world right, right but now? But why did it do those things? No, but yeah, what, like what's the price at now? I mean, and why did it? Well, I mean, let, let's see. When we're recording this podcast, the price was around twenty five hundred dollars. Uh, where it will be when this podcast goes out is anybody's guess because the thing is so volatile. And I, I think the the thing to me that people have to keep in mind with Bitcoin, especially, is that as as lo- it's you know it's been around what eight seven eight years now. It has gotten larger. It is still a relatively thin market, and compared to any other sort of traditional capital market, it is still a small market. Does not take a lot of money or action to move it around a lot, and. What you have happening really is uh, you have two markets, Japan primarily and A and Korea, that are getting on board with this. In Japan, the the uh, financial the FSA, it's their regulator, put in some rules about Bitcoin, uh, kind of brought it under the regulatory umbrella, gave it really a green light for trading, and it is taken off in Japan. But like this is this is recent. Like I wanted to sort of give some context here of the price movement because uh, there is a reason why we're talking about this on the week ahead. Is it is it has been over the last few weeks? It is really sort of surged. Oh yeah, it is. Let's see. Since April 1st, when these rules in Japan went into effect, it's up, I think, 130%. Last week alone, I think it was up about 25%. Uh, I mean, we all know Bitcoin is volatile, but I mean, even for Bitcoin, those are kind of extraordinary numbers. It's up, I think, 200% year to date. I mean, it's just. But it's interesting because regulators all over the world have really taken differing views of it, which you yeah. see now rippling through yeah. the way the price behaves. And it was interesting on, on my beat, the asset managers this week, Abby Johnson, who is the CEO of Fidelity Investments, actually spoke at one of the large right. Bitcoin conferences, which was very surprising to me because she doesn't speak publicly a lot. But Fidelity has tested a number of different applications of Bitcoin and blockchain technology, frankly, with limited success so right. far. And her speech was sort of saying as much, but saying she's excited about it. So it it struck me as a pretty high-profile endorsement of digital currencies. I mean, I think in finance, people have been optimistic about the blockchain, but less so about the currencies themselves. And that's what I found sort of surprising with all this happening in the background. I thought thought her speech was really interesting in that she actually sounded like she legitimately it cared about Bitcoin yeah, And she itself. said she's been personally involved in Fidelity's right. tests in that speech. Whereas, you're right, most, most people in financial services find the concept interesting and want to get rid of, and want to jettison Bitcoin because it's too uncontrollable to them and just kind of take the technology and, and meld it to their own uses. Well, I mean, this raises the question, I mean, one of the big questions has always been, what is Bitcoin? And, you know, people have always, you know, a lot of people have talked about the technology. Yeah. And then the other question, is it a currency? Is it a commodity? Is it, you know, something else? Well, does this price action sort of it's kind raise of interesting because what, what, what the Japanese authorities did was they acknowledged Bitcoin not necessarily as legal tender, not as a currency equal to the yen, but they did give it legal status as a payment method, hmm. which is kind of sort of saying yes, this is a currency. You can use it as a currency. It's not the currency, but you can use it as a currency, a payment but, method. A payment but, method. But, but the vol- what I want to get to is the volatility in this. Does that mean it sort of suggest it's more of a commodity and less of a currency, more like a commodity like gold, for example? I mean, I, mean, I, I, I know where you're going, and I think you can make that case. I, I think I would say I still think 
it is too early to definitively say which way Bitcoin is going to go. There are people who are trying to sell it as a currency, as gold uh, – I'm sorry, as a commodity, as gold 2.0, as your store of value, as something – asset that you just buy and sell. And some of the price action, you're absolutely right, reflects that. Because you don't want – you know, a current your currency to be able to have moves like that. You don't, you don't want, want your the currency moving three hundred dollars in, yes. in an hour. Yeah, exactly. No, that, that's not good for you for you no. as a, a currency holder. Uh, it's great for you as a trader or your and speculator econ- or, or, or your economy. Right. And, and <laughs> more I, importantly, I, I think that's you know part of what this is is that these again these are still small markets. They are highly speculative markets, and the people that are in them. For the most part, are speculators. They are either, well, they're either speculators or they're they're just you know uh, diehard believers that are going to hold the thing forever. So, you know, when I see Bitcoin prices move like this, I still don't think that those price moves really reflect sort of a fundamental movement. Like a stock goes up five ten percent, you know that 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 is really that's a judgment. Right, on, you feel like you can create a narrative as to why exactly that right. Bitcoin, I still feel like is just. It is a lot of crazy speculation and not as much fundamentals. That being said, I do think there's a lot of promise in Bitcoin itself and the technology and all the other currencies that are coming around. That is a long-term story, though. You know, I think it's interesting. I want to write about it because I think it's fascinating. You know, as a, as a journalist, as a storyteller, I think it's absolutely amazing. But the question I have are governments, especially developed governments, are they ever going to really embrace, you know, other than a payment method like them as currencies? Well, I, I, I think you just saw the world's the, – the federal government of the world's third largest economy do that. But they did that as a payment method. Right. Right. But I think, you know, look, yeah. I mean, like we what, see, what like, you're saying but, is, but, is anyone ever going to give its status equal to the dollar, equal to the yen, equal to the euro, a government? Uh, one, I think no. Two, that's not what Bitcoin really wants or needs. Its whole point is that it is outside of government purview. They don't want to be recognized as an official state well, Right, currency. and that's been part of the problem, right, in applying it in the financial services right. industry exactly. where they want to have a record of transactions where they actually know who the parties right. are, and you don't get that yet. And there's also, I mean, from a regulatory perspective, regulators have a lot of homework to do to get their arms around it the same way we as journalists are getting our arms around right. it to understand its applications and use and what's driving it. Yeah. And, and I feel like maybe Japan, definitely in Japan, but perhaps the UK as well, has been a little more encouraging of that right. experimentation, yeah, whereas the US is a little bit of a different story. Yeah. What, I, what I would think would be, to, to your point, what I would think would be more likely, rather than a, a government, a federal government saying, yes, we recognize Bitcoin as legal tender in this country, you can use it to pay your taxes, whatever, they would basically just digitize their own currency. Right, I agree with that. That I would think would be the more and, likely and, and, thing. And, and to be honest, Ben Bernanke talked about that. Right, and, and to be honest, <clears throat> they're largely digitized already. And, and 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 one of the reasons for that is because you know one of the reasons I ask that question, and, and I think it's a it's a relevant question, is just because of the power that comes with being able to control your own well, your exactly. currency and right. your economy right. and all that. Um, you see that. In the, even within the euro, that has a, been a you know a source of yeah. contention. And look, that was that was the main reason why the IRS in twenty fourteen came out and said Bitcoin is a commodity. It was mainly because the the the, the tax authority of the United States of America is not going to come out and say this is a currency. Unless Congress came out and said this is a currency. Right. But then if you end up with another body, whether it's lawmakers or a regulator coming out and saying, no, actually, it's a currency. Right. You know, what, what do you do with that? Right. 
Yeah. No, I listen, I think it's 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 a legitimate friction within Bitcoin that's not going to go away. Mm. As it gets bigger, it's just it's just not going to go away and it's going to be it, it's not going to be it's not, you know, the worst thing in the world, but you know, it, it creates a little rift there. So what so what's what do you see, you know, put on your get out the crystal ball. What's the next few weeks do you oh, see good with, grief. with trading? Who knows? I mean, does this run continue, or is it going to? Do you think it's just bound to sort of pull back? Uh, uh, you know, this run that we're talking about, and we're recording this Friday afternoon. This run that we're it could be done by the time this thing goes out. I mean, it is just, it really is. It's beyond throwing darts at a board with a blindfold on. I mean, you just you cannot tell. There's just no real way to predict where it's going to go. However, if you want me to, and I have to guess, uh, I would say it's probably going to go higher in the short run, be because volatile in the medium run, and in the long run, it's probably going to go higher too. I, I look, I, I got a Bitcoin honestly, bull. Yeah, I'm not a big, I'm not like a Bitcoin true believer, but I, I do think that there is potential there, and I think this is a growing thing. But is but is it going higher a sign of its potential? In price? Yeah. yeah. I, like I said, I think long-term it is going to go higher. Okay. I think it's going to be volatile, but I think in the long-term it probably is going to go higher. That said, nobody take that as a prediction, and don't go buy Bitcoin because I said that. That is a complete <laughs> guess. I have no idea, and nobody else who does will tell you either. You know, I will say one more thing, and then we can, we can wrap this up and go, but now that you mention it. One way that I know this thing is, is, is in a, a you know, quote-unquote moment is when I start getting completely unsolicited emails from people asking me how to invest in it, how to buy in mm. it, people who are readers, people who are friends, people who are family, like, and I'm starting to get them. I'm starting to get those on a daily basis. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. You know, like, this is a tough, you know, oh. It's, like, a, it's a tough it's thing a, it to invest like in. Sounds like we got a tulip mania. It, it just as easily could be that too. Seriously, it could. It could. Well, Grocer, thank you for indulging me. I really appreciate I'm, I'm, that. I'm, I'm always there to support Holiday you. Holiday weekend, what a treat. Holiday weekend, what a treat. All right, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for indulging me, and have a uh, you know happy I, hunting out there. You should also thank the S&P 500 companies who got done with their earnings and yeah, left right. us a second half to fill. <laughs> yeah. All right, everyone, thanks. <laughs>